You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Cummins. You know, we're all on this grand journey, becoming who God made us to be. And that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear stories of fellow warriors becoming who God made them to be. And you'll discover resources designed to equip you on your own becoming journey. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and let's dive into today's episode. Hey, Becoming Me. I'm so excited to introduce you to my warrior friend, Julie. Julie, welcome to Becoming Me. Hey, go hey. Thanks for having me. I am so excited for this conversation with you. And y'all, I have to tell you how I initially met Julie. Um, I was, as you all know, Bob Wheatley's been on the podcast, friends with him, followed some of his podcast tour journey, and I see him pop up on Julie's podcast. And I'm like, who is Julie? And I literally went on a rabbit trail on your social media, basically stalking everything you do. And I was like, like, break your finger scrolling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, for sure. And um, and then from your hashtags and just like everything, Uh, looking at your website. And I'm like, Julie's amazing. I need to talk with you. So truly, thank you for being here today to share your story. You're just, you're a gift. So thank you. You're so sweet. I'm really excited to be here. Yay. Well, I'm excited. And obviously I've just hyped you up and there might be somebody who's like, um, who's this Julie girl, Emily? I haven't stalked her yet. So (laughs) if somebody hasn't met you, like who is Julie? Awesome. Well, first, thank you for having me. You are very kind. You've officially made me nervous to your hype game, but thank you for that. Um, So I am Julie Bender. I am a wife. I'm a former widow. Um, I am a mama to two. It's weird to me that I have two kiddos. Um, And I'm an encourager. I'm I'm bold. I'm a little bit extra, a little bit diva, but we just got to run with it. Um, But I am saved by grace. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I see it as my passion and purpose to live out my story. So I love that you found me and are giving me an opportunity to go into your, you know, catalog of incredible stories, because I think that is such um, a, a beautiful way that God works in our lives. And he wants to use our stories to encourage one another to see that he's always working and he's always moving. So I'm, that's a little bit about me before we jump into my story. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. I love how you unpacked just the power of story and how how God uses our stories. And so like jumping off of that, I would love right now for us just to pause and go there, like unpack your story. What has made Julie who Julie is today? For sure. Um, When I think of my life story, it's funny to me. Um, I think when I was younger, I used to be more ashamed of my story. And now I'm so thankful that I can, I can almost laugh when I hit like another, you know, setback or bump in the road. Like, okay, this is chapter 17. (laughs) Like, this is just how God works. I think it's how he works in all of our lives, but I've come to a a place of peace of knowing that is definitely how he works in my life. Hmm. Um, And I think a word that I've really adopted that uh, I see for me is redemption. And so my mm-hmm. story is one of continual redemption from hard things. Um, I come from drug addicted parents. I have uh, was not raised by my parents. I've actually never met my dad. And he was my mom's drug dealer. Mm-hmm. And my parents were teenagers doing drugs, you know, living on the street, basically. And so I wasn't raised by my parents. I was raised with my younger sibling. I actually have two other sisters that are other, you know, in the story. Um, but I'm one of four daughters of my mom and she wasn't able to raise any of us. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of got doled out to different 
family members, my younger sister and I were raised by our great grandmother. (laughs) So that was a story in itself. Um, I didn't end up having a relationship with my mom until I was in like middle school. I met her for the first time and that was weird. And then high school was also weird because the truth is, is she was 11 years old when she started doing drugs. Mm -hmm. And so I can see her now, especially even now as a mom, but I could see her that she was a child who didn't Mm -hmm. have the support that children need. And so she did what she could to survive. She was a survivor. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, God was gracious enough to allow my sister and I to be put into a much safer environment to grow up. Um, And we just, we didn't have the, we didn't have the influence of parents. And that would go on to plague me in so many ways. Mm Um, so I was raised, I was born in Pennsylvania, but raised in Florida with my younger sister. Okay. And, um, it was great that granny took us in for a couple of years. Um, but the truth is that she thought she was taking us for a couple of weeks <laughs> and then she had two toddlers. You know, I remember my son being two and three and it was hard and we were two and three when she took us. And so we would go on to live with her, you know, through adolescence till leaving the home high school finishing high school. And I'm so thankful that she took us, but there was a whole host of other types of abandonment and neglect that ended up happening in granny's house, really because she didn't intend to, to raise us. Um, she had to bring in her daughter and grandson. So, well, daughter and my cousin, my cousin and my aunt, they're all at extra steps. So it's not grandmother. It's great grandmother, cousin, you know, whatever. There's extra steps there, but who has time to say all of that? My cousin and aunt came to live with us as well. And he went on to verbally and emotionally abuse everyone in the house, um, tempted sexual abuse. And so I found myself like, wait, this was supposed to be better. And now I'm still being abused and neglected in a different way. And so I can remember as a young girl feeling like this call and this desire for justice and recognizing that, that that wasn't happening for me which thankfully is something that really drew me to God. Um, The first time I was ever invited to go to church, I was like, that sounds safe. (laughs) I'll go there, you know? And so I went with a neighbor friend and ended up, um, you know, in the classroom of the Sunday school was my best friend from school. And he had a solid family and they recognized right away that I was living in a dysfunctional situation. And so they took me for all intents and purposes, they took me into their family. And so from kindergarten to high school, uh, you know, graduating high school, um, I was an extension of their family on Sundays. They took me home with them and, and, you know, church was my safe place. And at home, I had a sense that God was with me and, um, that it could have been worse. I, I just feel like I always grew up thinking it could have been worse. And what's, um, what's interesting about that is that kind of, that kind of attitude of, am I lovable? Am I worthwhile? You know, I struggled so much with those types of things because the kinds of things that were said to me in this rescue home really made me question my value and my worth. You know, granny did take us in, but she would often say things like, I didn't have to take you and I can send you away. Um, so I was very much trying to earn my place and some love and approval. And, and I also knew that I was here because my parents were unhealthy and had drug issues and weren't married and all the things. And so as a young girl, I was like, I gotta, I gotta live good and go get married and break this curse. And so I grew up kind of waiting until I could be out on my own 
and have, you know, that picture perfect life. But I definitely can see now, you know, kind of with your theme of becoming, um, I was becoming a codependent in the making, if we're being honest, um, as a little girl. And I was, gosh, 30s are great because you, I feel like you get to a place where you like start to like forgive yourself for some of the ridiculousity of your thinking and how you thought you knew yourself in the, your 20s. But I feel like in my 30s, I reckon I was able to almost like forgive myself for what I had to do to survive. You know, I called my mom a survivor and I was a survivor of some really unfortunate situations that yes, could have been worse, but it was almost like I never really acknowledged how bad it was because I told myself, I put that blanket band-aid statement of it could be worse. Um, and I do think it was important that I use that at the time to get through it. But as my therapist helped me to see that worked for me then, and it's no longer working for me. So fast forward, I leave granny's house um, and I go to college and I meet my first husband and he was a Christian and I was for the first time in my life really, you know, diving into my faith and, and growing and learning the church that I had been a part of from kindergarten to high school, like I said, was so pivotal for me. Um, and I remember walking the aisle you know, two and three summers in a row, making sure I was really good and saved. Um, but I was never discipled. There was no like, now that you're following Jesus, this is what life can and should look like. You know, let's read the Bible. None of that. Um, so when I was exposed to, you know, college ministry, basically, I was like, wait, these people read the Bible like for fun <laughs> and not just, you know, as part of the church service. And so that was where I really was introduced to a relationship with Jesus and I went hard and fast and my college years were huge for my faith. And it was right at that time that I met my first husband and he was attracted to me because he saw that I was a Christian. I had that big old ichthus on my car, like the full size of my Honda Civic was an ichthus, like I am Jesus. Um, so he was attracted to that and he had grown up in a Christian home. And so we started dating. I was in no position to be dating. Um, I talk about this on my podcast. I, sh I should not have started dating my husband when I did. Um, so much codependency there that I just didn't even know was there, but it found a match in him and we, you know, started a relationship and got married, um, under really unhealthy theology. <laughs> um, and I just, I thought, I thought it would all be okay. I thought, I thought some of his issues would all be fixed when we got married. That is absolutely what I thought. And it's one of my favorite things to let young women know that marriage isn't going to fix it. <laughs> really isn't going to fix it. I am living proof of that. So I married Paul um, when I was 21 years old. I turned 22 on our honeymoon. So I was 22, but I was 21. And um, I quickly realized that our relationship was really unhealthy. Marriage did not fix it. And then I found myself like, uh, what do I do now? Now I'm married to this man who professes to love Jesus. And I do believe love Jesus, but his faith became less and less and less important to him throughout the course of our marriage, which was like an issue for me. Like, okay, so am I allowed to still follow Jesus? What does that look like in a Christian submission, you know, submissive place? Do I, do I duck back with him so that I don't lead the family? All of those kind of tricky things. And oh, by the way, I started working at our church. And so that had some power play dynamics. Um, but it was also, again, a picture of God's covering for me that the church was there to kind of fill in the gaps that I didn't have at home. I could stop and have a good cry right there for that. Um, so I'm so thankful 
for just the way that God was always redeeming the hard things. He was always present with me. Um, so I was married to Paul for eight years when we had our son Lincoln. Um, and I, I want to be careful when I talk about Paul, uh, he, he struggled with some mental illness. He had significant anxiety and depression, um, which he found coping mechanisms. Um, his work was his life. He became a workaholic. Um, and then eventually developed a dependence on alcohol that was probably, uh, would be considered true alcoholism by the end of his life. And so we did have good seasons though. I just, I, I hate when I talk about him. I don't want anyone to ever hear me not value, um, that we had some beautiful seasons and I did love him. Um, but I just think we had a, a really unhealthy foundation and then we didn't know how to handle it. And then his struggles took him so inward. Um, and there was just not a lot of effort on the issues that we both knew were there, but it seemed like it was a more of a struggle for me, but we did have a really good year and we decided to have Lincoln and um, we got pregnant with Lincoln right away and he was born and we had another good year. Um, I was 30 when I had Lincoln and, and then about a year after he was born, my husband had another life circumstance that went untreated. You know, he had another kind of hard thing happen to him, the death of a close friend. And instead of seeking out and looking for help, um, he really spiraled downward and our relationship, you know, took another a negative turn. And I found myself now with this baby and, you know, I was going to remember, I was going to break all the, all the chains and all the curses of how I was raised. And, you know, and he came from a good Christian family and, you know, I wanted us to be different. And so now that there was this little person involved, I had to take a stand. And so, um, we, he was, he was three years old. Lincoln was three years old when I asked my husband for a separation because he was just continuing to decline in his mental, spiritual, and honestly, his physical health. Um, he was significantly overweight and he was just not taking care of himself and he was just drinking a ton. Uh, and so I asked him for a separation, scared out of my mind what people would think. But thankfully, my church supported me. I, I went to my elders and told them what was going on. And they basically said, I think it's time. I think it's time for you to separate yourself and to get you and Lincoln to a safe place um, so that he can recognize that there are some significant things that need to change here. And so we went, I got a place for my son and I to live in. We were going to have a three-month separation. And, um, and, and he was doing the work. It was, it was the first time that I really felt like he was doing work. Um, I began to get fearful because I sensed that, you know, the end of the separation was coming and I could see his focus was kind of shifting off of getting better to more like, okay, let's get back together. Like this, this is almost over. I've done the work. So we went to our first couples counseling session together and it was a roller coaster. So many hard things were talked about, but then there was little glimmers of hope. And I remember leaving that session with him hand in hand and he had stopped holding my hand. And it was one of those things where I was like, you don't even acknowledge my presence when we're around. And he opened the door for me and reached back and took my hand. And I remember like God, like saying like, it's going to take a while, but we're going to get there. It's like a little, you know, like a nod. And so we kind of shared a, a, a silent, silent exchange of this is going to be really hard, but we can do this. We're both committed to doing this. And um, again, we were staying separately at the time. So he went to his place, he went to our home and I went to our place and he traveled the next day to go to work at a house where I had been telling him, you got to stop working for those people. You're killing yourself for those people. And uh, he went to their house to work and 
he fell off the ladder that day, the next day. And uh, he had a brain injury that he couldn't recover from. And so he passed away. Um, so I have this three-year-old little boy, three-and-a-half-year-old little boy who has to tell him his dad died. So we had been married 11 and a half years when he passed away. We had Lincoln. We were in the thick of trying to rescue, redeem our marriage from, from the ground, literally. And he passed away. And I remember after, after all of that, I mean, I, somebody asked me literally today, well, oh, I didn't, I didn't know you were separated. I'm like, yeah, most people didn't. It wasn't like, by the way, we're separating, you know, it wasn't it because it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be long-term, you know, it was to work on things. And you know, did you struggle with guilt? Did I struggle with guilt? Of course I struggle with guilt. Only now can I share it without like excruciating guilt pains. Um, the redemption that God has done in my own heart over time, as I've carried the stories and I, and as God has continued to write my story from, from those years, it's been five years since Paul passed away which feels like a lifetime because I feel like I'm a different person now. Um, after losing my husband, I recognized that I needed to do some serious internal work. <laughs> I had this little boy who now had significant trauma to overcome. You know, I grew up with significant trauma and put me in some places that now he's been exposed to, exposed to some stuff in the home that I didn't want him to see. And then now his dad has passed away. And as a three and a half year old, he couldn't really comprehend, but shockingly he did when I told him his dad went to heaven he knew what it meant everyone told me he wouldn't understand but he understood and so that was both good and bad you know um he didn't ask me again where he was he knew that first conversation that he wasn't coming back um and he also asked me in that first conversation if we could pray for a new daddy for him ah uh, yep and um and I remember in that moment thinking well that means I'm doing something right that he knows we have to pray for anything and everything. Um, and probably he knew because in my first marriage, when things really went south, I started this habit of uh, a video series that I do now. It's called hashtag praying for your husband daily. It was one of the ways I coped with the difficulty in my first marriage is like, you know, I had tried nagging him for so long for all the things that we should be working on. And he's you know, not, not really into it. So I was like, I got to take this somewhere. I'll go to God. And after a while, I turned it into a video series for other people. And Lincoln actually knew that I did that. Like sometimes he would have cameos in the video. So maybe he knew it from there or it was just his little heart. You know, he wanted a daddy. He loved his daddy and he wanted a daddy. And so we started praying on that day. And I remember being like, well, that's going to take a minute because your mama needs some work, you know? So I spent the next year grieving and processing and getting therapy and going to recovery at my church um, to really kind of process through what led me to Paul. And then, you know, what I believe about myself over, you know, my marriage and what kind of partner I might want to pursue moving forward um, for me and for Lincoln, because I did, I did want him to have, I wanted him to have a dad and I did want to have a life partner um, that I could enjoy and share life with. I uh, I started dating and that was entertaining. Wowza. Dating as a 35-year-old single mom in the church. I mean, I tried. I tried dating every single guy I knew at church, but I think they thought it was weird. They're like, we've known you for a long time. You worked at our church. You did all those videos about your husband. 
I don't think so. I don't think I can do that. So I did. I tried as many people as I knew, you know, networking. And then I had to go to the apps. And I uh, I met my now husband on Match.com. And we were texting for a couple days. And he seemed nice. And I knew that he uh, had a relationship with God. I had I had dated a couple guys and, and finally realized that, like, well, I think I need to be a little more forthcoming with the kind of relationship I have with God and how important it needs to be the pers- to the person that I date. And so when I stumbled across my husband's profile, there was like a box on your match profile. It says, describe yourself in three words. And literally he only wrote Jesus. And knowing him now, it's so funny to me. Like he's probably like, oh, let's just keep Jesus, whatever, move on. Um, but I was like, oh, this guy, like I wanted somebody. I remember after my boyfriend before him that I was like, okay, Christian isn't enough. I need somebody who's willing to say the words, I love Jesus. And so now this guy's profile says Jesus. And I was like, okay, he's into Jesus. So am I, you know, like you can message me. And he messaged me and we chatted a little bit and gave him my phone number. He texted a little bit. And then um, he texted me one morning and I accidentally responded to his text message with a FaceTime initiation, which was very unfortunate because I had just got out of the shower. My hair was wet. I had no makeup. I had my lashes, sis, but I did not have makeup on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm FaceTiming him. This is not, we are not FaceTime ready. We are not to that point in our discussions. And I look a hot mess. And I, so I'm panicking because I'm like, well, if I hang up, he'll call me back. He'll be like, hey, I saw you called. So I remember the Lord said, like, I fell to my spirit. God said, just see if he answers. And I guess he's going to have to see this eventually. This is what I actually look like. I woke up like this, actually. <laughs> so I'm standing here awkward, like, don't answer, don't answer. <laughs> and he answered. And uh, instantly. It was like in my soul, my heart literally said, oh, there you are. And uh, and then I immediately said, this was an accident. And he's like, what? I said, I didn't mean to call you. Sure, you didn't. I said, look at me. I look a hot mess. And he said, you look beautiful. And then I fell all the way in love with him in that moment. And I was like, uh, this is awkward. Something's happening here. And he pretty much went on to ask me on a date. And we hung up the phone. And I was like, okay, I think I just fell in love with that guy. That feels awfully fast and incredibly codependent. So maybe I'm not quite healed. <laughs> so luckily, I had an appointment that same day with my therapist, as I did at that point regularly. And we talked about it. And she gave me some you know, guidelines on how to approach you know, some good pacing for our relationship. But it became pretty apparent pretty fast for both of us that the Lord had brought us together. And what's so cool about, um, you know, redemption, I came from so many just hard things that had made me feel unlovable and and hard to love. Um, And Donnie had some of those same things. And there was uh, some significant moments early on in our relationship where the Lord used his word um, and, you know, uh, encouragement from believers that I trusted, um, and some weird, you know, mutual friends that I was able to say, okay, God brought this man to me. I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm not ready to say he's my husband and I shouldn't be ready to say that yet, but I do know that I'm supposed to meet and date him. And so, um, we did, we started, you know, our relationship and we, I introduced him to Lincoln pretty early, which looking back, I'm like, this is awkward, but I felt like I knew, um, he met, he met Donnie on Father's Day. Um, and when I suggested it, I knew it was Father's Day, but we didn't talk about it. It was like this, like low key, like it's Father's Day, but like, maybe you could come put his bunk bed together today. And, um, when Donnie left, he put together his bunk bed when he left, Lincoln was five and he, he left our house that afternoon and Lincoln said, wait, should I have told Donnie 
happy Father's Day? And I was like, no, he's not a dad. He's like, oh. I'm like, I mean, mean, maybe one day he will be, I guess. But no, you shouldn't have said it. He was just like this little like, but maybe one day you will. So. So anyway, so we dated for a year and we got married uh, two and a half years ago and we have a new baby girl. Um, My husband thought that he would not be able to have a baby and there's redemption there because he had had um, like an infection when he was in high school that he was hospitalized for many months, two different times. And so he had been told then that it's possible he wouldn't be able to have kids from some of the medications and um, he's... 47 now we joke I, I've lost track of how old he was when we met because I keep telling him the wrong age that he is and so he's nine years older than me um which I was not thinking I was interested in but then I'm like oh whatever but he'd never been married and that was one of my I dated a few guys and then I had started realizing like maybe I need to be willing to date somebody who's been married like I don't care I've been married um but there was a piece of me that wanted somebody who'd not been married so that we could kind of have that redemption love story and uh, when I met him, I'm like, wait, he's real old to never have been married. Like something's wrong there. And, um, you know, he does. He has he has things in his past. And what's cool about it is being able to say, like, I got things about me that I felt were unlovable. And knowing that the Lord put us together so that we could be a picture of his redemption to each other. And, you know, the fact that we tried to have a baby and I was like, we better start because you're getting old and I'm getting old. And it's going to take a while because, you know, you think you're not going to be able to have kids. So we should, you know, really get on this. And then first try, <laughs> and he literally said to me, I thought you said it was going to take a while. I'm like, well, you said it was going to take a while. I, I was fine before. So we have this baby and we named her Reverie, which is, you know, a daydream. She's our little dream and Lincoln loves her so freaking much. It's adorable. And my husband is an incredible father to both of my children. He's raising Lincoln as his own. You know, we don't say the word stepdad. He saw it on a TV show the other day. He's like, why, why, why are they saying stepdad? Like as though the word stepdad is wrong. And I had to explain like, no, it is an actual word for a lot of people. It's just, it's not a word we've chosen, chosen to use in our family. Um, and so redemption is just such a big word for me and for my story. And so there are times where I can look back and think I was neglected and looked over and abandoned And I can still struggle with those feelings. I can struggle with them in my relationship with Donnie. Like this week, you know, a a kind of breakdown moment of feeling unlovable to him um, because of my junk and remembering that ultimately I'm never going to find those feelings of significance, of value, of worth, of being lovable in any man I've ever been married to and any children that I'm raising any friends that I have, any telling of my story, but only because of God and who he is and who he's called me to be and who he is continually rescuing more, me more and more to become. And so I, I have junk. I still have junk today, but I can see God's hand on my life from start to today. And I can trust that even when horribly hard, confusing, unfair things seem to happen, I can trust that God is continuing to write my story. And so that's where I am today. So powerful. I mean, thank you for walking us through your journey, your story of redemption. It's beautiful. And um, just the themes that we all can learn from you and how you're now encouraging other people. Like, truly, thank you. You're such a gift. Um, I have, you know, a lighter question as we step into this Yay, next phase. Good. Right, girl? Right. Yeah, so, um I know you got some hydration, but are you a coffee drinker? I gotta know. 
too much. Yes. Yes. Okay. We spend, we spend too much money in this house on coffee. Yes. Me too. So how do you drink your coffee? Well, I have a few different ways. I bought the Nespresso machine and it kind of Ooh. ruined me. You have yes. an espresso? No, but I have friends who do and it's amazing. It's amazing. It is amazing. And so at home in my Nespresso, I drink um, the silk oatmeal cookie. Oh, that sounds so good. With a little splash of like the sugar-free like coffee syrups that they okay. put in your drinks when you buy them somewhere else. And a half packet of Truvia. It's very bougie and it's very mm. sweet. That sounds but delicious. When I go to Starbucks. I have a few different drinks. Sometimes okay. I have a frappuccino. You know, if I had okay. a hard workout, I might get yes. that frappuccino. But I'm usually like a iced caramel macchiato or basically mm. iced coffee with a splash of cream and some syrup and some caramel sauce. You know, I got a lot of different orders, which is the bougie-ness in me. You know, I'm with you though. Like I enjoy a cup of black coffee in the morning, but then the day could take me anywhere. Like, <laughs> I mean, depending on what flavor I am craving. So I could not yes. do black. So you are more mature than me. Well, I don't know. There's just something about it in the morning that I really enjoy. But but later yeah, in the day, it is interesting. Oh yeah, like pumpkin spice latte, peppermint yes. mocha. Bring it all on. Like sure, yes, sure. I'm about that. So yeah. if you were at Starbucks and you have an iced caramel macchiato, you're sitting across from somebody else. They've got their coffee too, and you're both talking about your becoming journeys. What would you say to encourage this person to become who God made them to be? I was thinking about this because honestly, I had a friend come over yesterday and uh, we've been through a lot of life together and it was a little bit of like a, but how are we still having some of these same problems? <laughs> like, shouldn't yeah. we ask this? <laughs> and um, I think the encouragement that I tried to share with her that I literally needed to hear from myself is that God's not done with us yet. Mm. Like it's okay if we still need some of the same encouragements from time to time it's okay. God's not ashamed of us and he is still working. And I think sometimes when we struggle with the same things over any length of time, or just again, after 10 years, we want to get down on ourselves. And it's like mm -hmm. to remember that, but look how far you have come. Even if you're not perfect yet, the Bible actually teaches we're not gonna be perfect. And exactly. yes, we need to focus on our becoming. But we also need to remember that it's mm -hmm. going to be a lifelong process and to really mm -hmm. just focus on how far you have come. I think we too, too often forget how far we've come because we're focusing on the mistake we're currently grieved over, which is probably appropriate, or where we want to go. But mm -hmm. instead, we need to sometimes just revel in the how far we've come. Yeah. Oh, that is so wise. And truly, even that's why Becoming Me even started for me. So I am a... I will say recovering perfectionist. And I'm like your typical type A Enneagram one kid, right? And so my whole life, I chased perfection. And I had this moment with God where he was like, hey, I never designed you to be perfect. Like I designed you to be a human being who's becoming who I designed you to be. And so it's really that release of trying to be perfect and embracing this continual process of growth. So, but I love how you said like, got to embrace where you are and not be so focused on maybe what you're grieving or where you're trying to go, but showing up here and now that's yeah. beautiful. Love it. So I, I know, too, but that's where I think that's where we should live. Yeah, I'm with you. And we, we won't be perfect at it. Hello. We're humans, <laughs> uh, but we're showing up and giving ourselves grace to do it again today. Um, you know, I know you're an encourager. You have resources on social media. You have a dynamic website. 
Um, you have the hashtag videos. How can people connect with you online, continue to be encouraged by you, but also maybe go through some of your resources that you have? Yeah. Thank you for letting me share that. So I actually have a podcast because homegirl likes woo, to talk. Woo. So like you mentioned, I have the Julie Bender show. Um, it's about two years three years. I don't know. Actually, that's awkward. I had a baby about a year ago. So my life, I don't think my life is bad. So the Julie Bender show is probably the first place because I feel like I show up to the mic to process my life there. And, you know, I, you know, keep it real. And I talk about everyday, you know, Christian living resources about things that I'm passionate about. So on the podcast, it's a lot of marriage content. I'll just own that, but it's a lot of you know, like what we're talking about, self-worth and healthy image of ourselves, healthy body image. That's something I struggled a lot with that didn't make it into the story. Um, and so I, I upload a new episode every other week. Um, I also co-host another podcast that has been going longer than my show. It's called This Grit and Grace Life. Um, so you can just go to my website, thejuliebender.com and um, find all of those links or just find me on Instagram, thejuliebender, because I, I post about all those things on my social so pretty much I'm talking in all of the places. Um, I do want to mention my video series again, hashtag praying through your husband daily. It's probably my favorite thing that I do um, just because I feel like God has given me so much marriage experience yeah. <laughs> in two very different kinds of marriages. Mm -hmm. And so I really try to keep the perspective of what it was like in my first marriage and then what it's like yeah. now and try to speak to uh, really different, yeah. really different types of marriages and some practical practical advice, but more prayer, um, yeah. for marriage. So no, I love it. And I've been checking out those videos too. And y'all will include all of the links that Julie mentioned, and we're doing a warrior conversation yeah. specifically talking about this. And so I'll have that link in the show notes. You can definitely click it, learn more, follow Julie. Um, but you are such a gift. Like, is there anything else that you would want to share as we're wrapping up your becoming story today? Um, I would just say like, I, I, sometimes I worry about sharing my story and I think people, you know, are trying to find themselves in it or I, you know, I don't have those big, big, hard things, but I have, I have, you know, uh, chronic hard things mm -hmm. or I have, you know, what doesn't necessarily sound so intense. And so it must not be so bad. And I guess I would just remind people that, um, to, I have one of my hashtags is hashtag be bold and just be you, but I think I would just remind you that it is, it is absolutely your privilege to be bold and just be you. And God is working in your life just as much as he's working in mine. And your story will hit other people where they need to be encouraged, even if it doesn't have some of the peaks and valleys that maybe the people that you love to follow or learn from has. Um, we, we need those sta more stable stories just as much as the highs and lows um, to, be, to be walking this life with day in, day out. Yeah. No, absolutely. I could not agree more. And just thank you for sharing this. Um, you know, I don't always end our episodes this way, but if it's okay with you, I would love to just pray for you and your family and just the ministry that God has entrusted you with. Is that okay? I love that. Yes. Please. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. God, I thank you for Julie and just how you crossed our paths on social media, the story of redemption that you're writing in and through her life and how she is encouraging and equipping so many other warriors to be the bold, brave you that, that you have made them to be, God, and how you are writing redemption in each of our stories to continue to bless her and her family, her kids, as she's continuing to become the woman you made her to be. We love you. We give you all the glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for who you are and just thanks for being with us. Yes, it was my privilege. Thank you. 
Well, it was definitely our privilege and we're just cheering you on big time, warrior friend. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Becoming Me podcast. If this episode connected and resonated with you, we would love to see your experience. So snap a photo of this episode and share on social media. Don't forget to tag us by tagging at Emily B. Cummins. Learn more about becomingme.tv and find more resources at becomingme.tv.